Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. Okay, hear me today. There is a danger. There is a cost of getting too close to this world, of being infatuated with its stuff and its bling and all the things that it offers that on the surface look beautiful and basically harmless, but underneath, hear me today, there's a rumbling that's telling the church, hey, get ready. It's not always going to be this way. This is a place of danger. Don't get too close to this world, but hang on to me. There's some things that you just need to get away from. Some things that you can't get too close to. Some things that are worldly that you don't need to be messing with. You may think that you can handle it, but God is coming back for a separated people. Not a people that are covered up and cozied up to this world. He's looking for people that are called out. morning. Grab your Bibles. Turn to Genesis 13 and 7 before I ask you to stand up for that. Uh, Let me just preface the lesson this morning. Uh, I wonder if I'm the only one here. Surely not. Surely not. Um, Especially in the adult class. Maybe Maybe in the teen class, maybe they wouldn't have anybody. But I wonder if I'm the only one here that grew up in a rough and tumble neighborhood with a bunch of boys and uh out in the rural areas and you know it was back in the day when there was not so many things to entertain us we played outside and we we built ramps with bicycles for our bicycles we built rafts and out of milk jugs and old logs that were laying around <laughs> i don't think we were ever successful with that one by the way we wound up getting wet but we had a lot of fun we we did a lot of things uh run around in the in the woods and, and, and built tree houses and just all this kind of stuff that we did. But there were certain particular days when we were bored and we got the bright idea that we would start playing with um, the one neighbor's pasture. He had it surrounded by electric fence. By the chuckles, I would assume that I'm not the only one that's played with an electric fence before. You ever played dare with your buddies? You know, everybody, especially in a, a neighborhood full of boys, you know, who's the toughest? Who who can stand the most, you know? And uh, being one of the smaller guys, I was always the one that was trying to prove myself that I still belonged by doing some of the dumbest stuff that a kid could ever do in his life. And I can remember, um, I can remember going out with that electric fence and, and we would have four or five of us guys that were there and what we would do, you know, an electric fence, most of them pulsate. They don't, it's not a constant current. It's like on, off, on, off. And so we would go out there and, and, and we would say, and not get shocked, you know, your turn. <laughs> Next. <laughs> And if they were every bit as dumb as I was, they'd say, okay, I'll do it, you know, and, and, and they would touch it lucked out, you know, you got about a 50, 50 shot. And so we would keep on going until eventually, inevitably, somebody got zapped. (laughs) 
I don't know if in our mind that made them the loser or the winner, you know. Uh, but we would play with that electric fence knowing that eventually somebody was going to get hit with that jolt of electricity. Somebody was going to wind up screaming. Somebody was going to wind up possibly crying. But the rest of us were going to wind up laughing. There's some things that I've learned as I've matured slightly since that day is that there are some things that you don't play with because you might get away with it a time or two. You might get by with it for a while, but eventually, inevitably, it will come back to bite you. And I want to, I want to take, uh, take your attention today to Genesis chapter 13 and 7 where I'm going to read to you uh, a story about a man named Lot and how Lot made a terrible decision that would ultimately lead him to a place where he, he found disaster. Genesis chapter 13, verse 7. Would you stand for the reading of the word, and then I'll let you be seated again. There was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. See, they were they were relatives. They were they were in business together, so to speak. They were moving together, but there were some problems between these two men and their basically their workers. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot. Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee. We're, we're family. And between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. It's not the whole land before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. How kind of Abram to allow Lot to make the decision. He said, it really doesn't matter to me. I'm going to let you decide whatever you choose to take. I will take what's left over. Doesn't matter which, which you want to take. I'll take what you do not. The Bible says that Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. See, this is pre-destruction day. Things looked good. Sodom and Gomorrah was a beautiful place. It was a beautiful land, well watered. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. I just want to teach you a lesson today that I've entitled the cost of getting too close. The cost of getting too close. You may be seated today. Amen. I really, I really don't want this to be a real heavy lesson today. Uh, I don't intend on it being a super heavy lesson, but there are times when I think that, that there's no way around but just to go through. And I want today's lesson more than anything else 
to uh, be directed towards the heart of somebody or several people, whoever it might be in this place today, uh, that you would come to the decision of, of contemplating in your life that maybe there's some things that need to be shored up, some things that need to be gotten away from, some things in your life that maybe have drawn you away from the place in God that maybe you once were. Several months ago, my wife and I, uh, we went to see an exhibit that had come to St. Louis called Pompeii. Did anybody see the signs or anybody else possibly even go to see this? You might have gone to see it. It was here for several months, and it was very interesting. I pass over the, the Poplar Street Bridge into St. Louis every week, and uh, I would see the billboards. And so my wife and I had one of those rare days where we had uh, a whole day to ourselves, and we decided to just go out on a little date and and see some things, go to some places, grab a bite to eat, and then go over and see this exhibit. I was very interested in this exhibit. <clears throat> you may know the story of Pompeii, but if not, I'm going to fill you in a little bit here. Pompeii is now currently a vast archaeological site in southern Italy near the coast of the Bay of Naples. And it is no more than that now. But at one time, it was a thriving, very sophisticated Roman city. Uh, Pompeii uh, was a place of beauty. Uh, but in modern day, it has been buried under meters of ash and pumice after the catastrophic, catastrophic eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Uh, almost 80, well, 79 AD is when it happened. Now, Mount Vesuvius was a, a volcanic place in which the city of Pompeii was built upon. Now, that begs the question in my mind, what would make these people live so close to something so volatile? Why would they choose to put their home in such a place of such danger were they slaves and forced to live there you know what could have caused them to set up their dwelling places right on top of an active volcano Pompeii was a resort city it was a place where the wealthy would come it was a place of paved streets and bathhouses and if you had enough money you could find and Enjoy just about anything that this world had to offer in that day and time. And so people would come that were wealthy and they would visit Pompeii and they would enjoy its rich, industrious and beautiful uh, locale. And they would enjoy the beauties that had been built there and, and the, the culture that was there. There was only one flaw with Pompeii and that was the fact that it was located on Mount Vesuvius. Seems crazy to me, right? Like we've had floods around here, the Mississippi arise and wipe out a whole whole area or houses, and the next thing you know, uh, there'll be people that are building their houses right back in the same place. And I'm like, hey, I know they say it's a 500 flood, but they cannot predict that it's going to be. I've seen a whole lot of 500-year floods come back in about three or four years here lately. You know, it's hard for me to understand, like, once you've been wiped out, that that you would not have learned, but people are willing to take chances 
People are willing to go back and rebuild on a place that there is no guarantee that the same thing, the same catastrophic event might not take place again. They will go on the word of the past instead of what might take place. And some of them, unfortunately, have found that the voice of the past is not always accurate. And they wound up losing again. So I think, why would they build here? Surely the volcano had long since been dead. Surely there was no more danger to be feared, right? I mean, why else would you build a city on top of a volcano? Why would you put it in a place of such danger? You ever wonder where that saying, let a sleeping dog lie, comes from? Probably from a guy that saw this beautiful dog lying in the sun resting and thought, oh, little Fido's there. I'm just in a good mood today. I think I'll pat him on the head, wake him up. I'm sure he'll be happy to see me. And that's why they call the guy Lefty from now on. <laughs> Lost half of his arm because he learned the hard way that you don't wake up a sleeping dog. You don't startle a sleeping dog. That there's some things that you just need to stay away from. There's some things that you don't need to touch. There's some things that you don't need to pet. There's some things that may look harmless and may seem kind. But, but the reality of it is if you get too close, there are things that will reach out and bite you and destroy you. No, Pompeii had erupted before. It wasn't the fact that it was dead. Pompeii had already shown before that it was still alive, that there was still danger. There had even been earthquakes to warn of the impending danger that was right underneath those that lived their feet. But life was good. Life seemed good in Pompeii. We could walk the streets and if you were known to live there, then you were known to live like, it'd be like those people that live over in Ladue, you know? Oh, I live in Ladue. Well, to us that are over here in Southern Illinois, big whoop, we don't really care. <laughs> but you know, there are certain locations that just carry with them a, a sense of aristocracy. You know, the people over there, to live there, you got to be wealthy. And Pompeii was a highly sought-after place, and people would travel to go there. It's like saying, I went to Hawaii on our 50th, or we went to someplace great and gorgeous. We spent a night in Venice, Italy, and we rode the gondolas. It's these places that have, like, these romantic uh, cultures to them, places that, that you might think that you want to see in your life, but they're not built upon volcanoes life was good one writer even said this villagers around the volcano had long learned to live with their volatile environment hear me they had become accustomed to the rumblings they had become accustomed to the smoke cloud that every once in a while would spew out of the top. They had become accustomed with the shaking. So accustomed, in fact, that most of them didn't even realize it was taking place anymore. Now, growing up around here, I can remember, you know, this is coal mine country. 
I don't really see it too much anymore, but I remember my dad, he, you know, we had the, the, the strip mines right there fairly close to our house and where my grandparents, uh, they lived. And so every once in a while, you'd get this big boom and, and the whole earth would shake and rumble. Well, when that first started, I guarantee you it shook people up. But after a few years, you didn't even hear it anymore. It didn't break, it, you didn't break off midstream in your conversation that you were having. You didn't, you didn't run to the door and look out anymore. You just became accustomed to the rumbling. You came up, became accustomed to the sound of that explosion. You didn't run out and look at the, at the dust as, as it lifted hundreds of feet into the air anymore. It was just what took place every day. The writer goes on to say, even after a massive earthquake struck the region in 63 AD, a quake that scientists now understand offered a warning rumble of the disaster to come. Now, 79 to 63, what are we talking about there? Quite a few years, am I right? There's a little bit of a warning, something that should have let them know, hey, you know, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but I think it's time for us to move over someplace that's a little further away from this disaster that's going to happen one of these days. Maybe it's not going to happen today. Maybe it's not going to happen next week, but it's going to happen sooner or later. It said, even after the warning rumble of the disaster had come, people still flocked to the shores of the Bay of Naples, and Pompeii grew more crowded every year. Who knows? It might have even added to the romance of the area. I, I don't know how people thought back then, but I, I do know how I think, and not one single time. We plan, we're in the process of planning a family vacation right now. Right now, and we're trying to get things together so our family can go on a little getaway. And we've done this for years, and not one single time have I ever remembered myself or anybody from the family say, you know what, this year, why don't we take a vacation in a place where none of us might survive? <laughs> Let's take Easton and Bennett and Blakely. I know she's only two, but why don't we go rock? climbing. Why don't we try to climb, climb Mount Everest? I think it'd be a good idea. Oh, I know it's dangerous. I know that there's things that could possibly happen. I know that we're not equipped, or, uh, but, but why don't we do that? No, that never has come out of our mouth. As a matter of fact, we have one in our family that's scared when we go up into the mountains of the steep hills that we have to climb to get to our cabin. And so this year we're thinking, well, maybe for their sake, We'll try to find a place down in a valley someplace. No, we try to steer clear of dangerous things, right? I mean, if we go to Gatlinburg, we might, we might ride that, that, that tram up. We might, but we might not. <laughs> Let me remind us right here that the Bible tells us that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. All right? All right? 
We must live here. We are here. We were born and God had designed for there to be a church. But we are not to become so comfortable living in the world that we become a part of the world. Okay, hear me today. There is a danger. There is a cost of getting too close to this world, of being infatuated with its stuff and its bling and all the things that it offers that on the surface look beautiful and basically harmless. But underneath, hear me today, there's a rumbling that's telling the church, hey, get ready. It's not always going to be this way. This is a place of danger. Don't get too close to this world, but hang on to me. Pompeii grew more and more crowded every year. Not everyone, though, bought into its superficial beauty. Because what showed on the surface, though it was alluring, the reality of what was beneath would have made a strong man weak in his knees if he would have only known what was lurking just below him what he was walking on and the warning signs were there and the rumblings were there but they got so accustomed to feeling it that it did not shake them anymore the sensation just became a part of their everyday life the day finally came it was a day like all the other days the rumblings that had long since just become a part of their everyday life. But this was not just another day. It was August the 24th, 79 AD. It was a day that changed everything for those who dwelt in the beautiful city of Pompeii. One witness wrote that the ash came rolling in from the volcano like a flood. By the time that they knew what was happening, it was too late. People ran. They tried to find shelter and protection. They clutched their children. They wrapped scarves around their child trying to help them to breathe, but nothing worked because there was no place in Pompeii that that ash could not find its way in somehow, some way, and every one of them perished. The things that I was able to see over there, if you ask later on after service, I can even show you a few pictures. It was preserved so well that once they rediscovered Pompeii about 300 years ago, they began to uncover it. They found that everything had been preserved. There, there's a dog that, that looks like you've just molded it out of a gray material. There's a, there's a child that's, that's leaning on the steps where he fell and he cannot, he couldn't go any further. There's a, there's a, a woman that's clutching a baby in her hand and they were all preserved in that ash just the way that they drew their last breath. Nothing could keep the hot ashes and in a few moments, everything was gone. Listen to me today. And I'm not here to try to do anything but 
remind us Jesus Christ is coming back. God's word is true. There will come a day when the eastern sky will split and he will come riding in. And when that day comes, those that have not lived for him are not going to be able to escape. The moment of decision will already be made. I don't care. I know that I know that you've heard preachers talk about it before. Matter of fact, it's probably been talked about so much that it it's lost its effect on most people because we've talked about the coming of the Lord. And I grew up in churches where the preacher would stand up and I can remember laying under a pew and have tears running down my face and crying out saying, oh God, uh, I hope I'm ready. I can remember the hunger inside of me that I felt like I have to get the Holy Ghost. I can't wait till next week. I, I need it now. I, I want to be baptized. I don't want to wait till next week. I can remember those times when my heart almost seemed like it was going to explode inside of my chest because I felt the impact of God's word and I thought he might come tonight and I want to be ready but he didn't and years have passed and time has gone by and he's yet to return and in the mind of many it's a sound that we've heard before, but we are no longer shaken by it. We're no longer touched by it because we've gotten kind of close. We've kind of gotten cozied up to this world. We've gotten comfortable here. Amen. Things aren't so bad here. We look around and we see beauty. We live in the greatest country in the world right here. We, even at our lowest, have more than most of the people in the world. We live in a place of splendor. We live in a place where anything is possible if you're willing to work for it and you're willing to strive for it. You're willing to get out and make it happen. We live in a place of opportunity and beauty where if you've got a checkbook and it has some money in it you can have just about whatever you desire but there will be a day when what you need will not be able to be purchased with money what I'm so appreciative of is that there are rumblings that tell me get ready I'm not impervious to when I open up my newspaper or I hear on the news of the things that are going on. There, there's some things that go right over the heads of so many people that are so caught up in this world and they're so close to, to this world and they have pitched their tents towards Sodom and become comfortable in Sodom or close to Sodom. No, they're not Sodomites, but they've become comfortable in being surrounded by them so comfortable in fact that they cannot see what is coming. They cannot see even what the warnings that have taken place and the rumbling that are happening. They cannot see the impending doom that this world is headed for. My fear is that as the church that we've heard the warnings so much that they don't even phase us anymore, we barely hear them anymore. My fear is that I can preach an anointed message one of the other ministers or preachers can stand up and preach something that, that should move us. Yes. 
but we're not moved anymore. And the altars become empty and the souls remain unchanged and we just camp out over disaster. Where are you living? Where have you pitched your dwelling place? Let me ask you, are you closer to destruction than you realize? Lot, why did you choose Sodom? Why, Lot? You had the choice. Abram said, you go this way, I'll go that way. He gave you the choice, Lot. Why did you choose to go down and dwell next to Sodom? The word explains it to us. Genesis 13 and 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. That's a very telltale part of the sentence right there. What did the word say? He said he looked at it and he said it looked like Egypt. It looked like the world. There are times if we're not careful that the world begins to look pretty good. And we'll look and see, like David said, evil people seemingly get, getting away and being even blessed by things. But let me tell you something today. There's a day of reckoning coming. It's not always going to be that way. It may be beautiful now. It may seem easy now. It may seem like sin is something that would encapsulate you and, and, and bring you pleasure and bring you joy. And it might for a small amount of time, but it is so fleeting there's coming a day when living for God is going to pay off big and I'm telling you today for those of you don't pitch your tent down towards a place that's worldly amen stay away from the world pitch your tent in a place that God can reach you and speak to you Lot said I looked and I saw the waters they were everywhere it was good for my sheep it was good for my business. It was pleasurable to, to look upon. There's stuff to do in Sodom if we get bored. We're going to go down here and dabble with the world. We're maybe not going to live right inside of it, but, but we're going we're gonna to live close to it. We're going to put it within our eyesight. Let me tell you something. You look on something very long, it won't be long before it draws you to it. You can't keep looking at sin over and over again and not have it lure you into it eventually. There's some things that you just need to get away from, some things that you can't get too close to, some things that are worldly that you don't need to be messing with. You may think that you can handle it, but God is coming back for a separated people, not a people that are covered up and cozied up to this world. He's looking for people that are called out. Yeah. Mm. Feel the Lord in here today. Lot, I'm sure, thought in his mind, I can handle it. I can handle it and to a certain degree. Listen to me, he did. He was able to escape. He didn't lose his life, Brother Jones. He was able to get out. There was one final warning that finally got his attention. He grabbed his family and he began to bolt out and Lot actually survived. But at what cost? 
there's always a cost when we get too close to the world. And you may escape, or I may escape, but what about my family? What about my spouse? What about my co-workers? What about those that if I would have just kept them away from certain things and not allowed certain things to get too close, would they be okay? Got to watch what we're willing to become comfortable with. Because God does call us to a life of separation from this world. Not to keep pleasurable things from you, but to keep you from the consequences of setting up your dwelling place on top of something that is going to eventually erupt. There's a story that involves, I can't say his Greek word or whatever language it is, so they call him Pliny. Pliny the Younger and Pliny the, the Elder. So that's what I'm going to call him. He wrote from a first-hand view of the destruction of the city. Pliny the Younger was about 18 years old, and he lived with his mother and his uncle across the bay, out of harm's way from Mount Vesuvius. It's not that he couldn't see the destruction. It wasn't that it didn't filter into a certain degree, but they were safe living there where they were at. His uncle, however, owned a fleet of ships, and what he saw was, was a possibility of not only easing his curiosity about what was taking place, but also going on a, a rescue mission and, and somehow making money off of it. And so Pliny the Elder ran down to the bay and he got all of his ship's captains and his fleet and he set off across the bay to head over towards Vesuvius uh, where Pompeii was at. And he saw the, the plume of, of dust that was coming up, not really realizing how devastating it was, but going over to there to see if he could possibly uh, make some money and possibly pull some people out and rescue some folks and so they got over onto the other side close to uh, uh, where they could dock but they were not able to dock and so he came very close to turning around and, and heading back to where his home was at but then he decided to go ahead and try one more time and this is what he said he looked at the city of Pompeii it was being covered in ash and people were dying and hearing the screams and his good sense was telling him, get out of here, go back, head back to safety. But there was another part of him that said, I, I can make a buck here. And he said, fortune, gentlemen, favors the brave. And they searched until they found a place that they could dock their ships and on to land they went, and they survived for a little while, but by the time that they decided that they needed to get out, it was too late, and Pliny the elders and a lot of his people that went with him perished that day. See, you cannot live close to Sodom and walk away unscathed. When so many are saying, why don't you guys lighten up? 
Hey, why don't you let this in? What, what, why is this such a big deal? You know, why don't we all just fall under this big umbrella of grace and we just move through this thing together? Aren't we all brothers and sisters? I, you know what? I love everybody, but not everybody's doctrine is right. Not everybody is seeing things. There are so many churches that have been turned into clubs. And, and you can walk into a church and, and it's got club lighting and it's got, it's got your restaurant. And there's, to a certain degree, there's not everything that's wrong with that. But I'm telling you what, you better have God in your service. You better have the Holy Ghost that can transform somebody's life. You better be separated from the world. And don't let the world turn the church into an entertainment establishment because we're not here to be entertained we are here to be the entertainers and I want to entertain his presence I want to entertain his spirit I want to entertain his life changing power don't stay in a spiritual condition that is not right just because it is comfortable to be there Let our music come today. Make the decision. I'm getting out while I can. Make the necessary changes. Head for higher ground. Call upon the name of Jesus. Come on, it's too easy to just go home and say, wasn't that a good message? Boy, didn't the Lord move there today? Didn't that feel good? And be unchanged when God is trying to speak to somebody today and tell us you're sitting on top of a disaster. You're a little too close. You may get out. You may be okay, but there might be some that are following you that are just a little few steps behind you that something about where you were has got a little bit too much hold of their heart and they turn around and it's over if we had everybody today that's walked through these doors in the 15 years that I've pastored and come to this altar made a start for God but then somewhere along the way they turned around and they looked back at Egypt they looked back at Sodom they looked back at the worldliness and it drew them back into a covenant with the world instead of a place of safety with God we'd have to have whole five services a day to have everybody in Because people come and they feel God but the beauty of the world just says come on back cozy up with me they like what they feel but when it comes to separating themselves from the worldliness that has a grip on them that's where the problem often comes in it's not that God is trying to cut you off. It's that God is trying to draw you out of a place that he knows will one day be destroyed. Yes. 
wrote to Tiffany, to Tim, Timothy. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control. This big parade over in St. Louis yesterday, I had to drive through all that mess. I saw some crazy stuff. I saw people walking down the streets that looked like they could fall over. They were staggering so bad. Where has self-control gone? It's non-existent. Talking about last days. Brutal. Despisers of good. Traitors. Headstrong, haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And then Paul tells Timothy from such, turn away. He says, listen, when you feel the rumblings, when you see the warnings, don't cuddle up next to that mess. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. Would you stand with me? I pray this word has pricked someone's heart today. Our pride keeps us from altars. Our pride keeps us from moving. Our pride keeps us from following what in our heart God is telling us that we need to do. But we've just grown comfortable here. There will be a day when this place won't be so comfortable anymore. And on that day, I want to hear him call my name. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.